What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 95 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who is the pimple to my rash, Robert Workman. That sounded pretty <laughs> damn awful. <laughs> wow. Um, good night, everybody. Like I like wrote it down for myself, and then like as I actually say the words out loud, it's just like, yeah, I, I can't really keep a straight face to actually say this. <laughs> good Lord. You know what? If you didn't play the you know the pause music to open up the show, I'm going to be extremely disappointed in you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'll have some sort of amalgamation of it. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> so uh, today's show is uh, all about Battletoads. We're going to be talking about the legendary NES game. We're going to talk about its nice little sequels and everything, its legacy, and how it carried on over the years. So yes, this is going to be one of my favorite shows of the year. But right now, David, we have some other stuff we have to cover. A little bit of controversy here and there, but I want to talk about this first. Um, we thought we've seen all the lost Donkey Kong games, like Donkey Kong Junior Math and stuff like that. But no, apparently Nintendo once did a Donkey Kong music game. Is that what this is? Yeah. So this is a game that was translated as, uh, you know, at least for like an English translation, is Donkey Kong's Fun with Music. And uh, this, this is like a game that was actually meant to be released uh, by the end of December 1983. Uh, so this was like discovered, just like some screenshots, basically that kind of got out there. And you know, we'll have like a link, basically to uh, basically kind of like a Patreon page. This comes from the uh, let's see, which one is this? Uh, the Video Game History Foundation Patreon page. Uh, and so like they have some like really awesome like you know screenshots here, specifically from some uh, some flyers, basically just got like advertising for upcoming Famicom games. And one of them was very you know was kind of like a very curious one where it just shows like Donkey Kong with like. Uh, with like a guitar and like you know have like uh, Donkey Kong Jr. on like the drums and like Mario's on piano and like I guess Pauline is uh, singing as, as as she did eventually do in the Super Mario Odyssey and everything. So it's mm-hmm. it's pretty cool to kind of see like you know, what would have been I guess like with this game, but um, yeah, it, it's really interesting just because of the fact that the Famicom controller mm-hmm. did actually have that built-in microphone. So it, you know it certainly makes sense that the Nintendo would try to uh, make more use of it with a game like this. Not to mention, in fact, I'm looking at like the the screenshots, screenshots, excuse me, for the game. It shows off two songs that would have been in it. There, uh, the first one is the Japanese equivalent of "I've Been Working on the Railroad," which is, of course <laughs> top top forty hit. And then there's also a traditional children's song, roughly translated as "Doggy Policeman," which you may recognize from its use in Frogger. 
Mm, that's interesting. Right. It's amazing, actually, that, you, that we can find like these like lost games that we just never thought even existed. Like so many years later, uh, you know. Again, this is like this is supposed to come out like December nineteen eighty three, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's really really, really interesting and just uh, some like bit of like Nintendo history that we just didn't know of. And uh, as far as like from what I've seen and uh, kind of looked up and everything, this is actually the oldest uh, lost Nintendo game now found. Um, you know, there, there's obviously been like, you know, other ones like in, in history and everything, but this is certainly like the oldest one uh, yeah. that's been discovered. So, and, um, and not to mention, it would have probably been a lot more fun than Wii Music was. Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. <laughs> Although, uh, yeah, obviously, like, Nintendo does like to kind of like play around with uh, with like the music genre, like in their own way, for sure. Uh, so this is also like another like early example of that. So uh, some pretty interesting ones, and um, I guess like uh, like there were some other games here too, and one that certainly came to mind here was Popeye's English game, uh, which I guess is Popeye basically teaching Japanese children how to speak English, more or less. That, that um, seems kind of ironic because <laughs> doesn't he always like ah oh, damn. Oh, oh, oh. I think Popeye is like one of the last people who you want to have teaching your children English. I me spinach. Oh, yeah. Get out of here, Pluto. That, that's my terrible Popeye impression. Right. Everybody. I, <laughs> I am what I am. So. Yeah, I know. That's not exactly English. <laughs> but yeah, okay. You keep doing you, Popeye. Yeah. <laughs> you do you, boo. That's right. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, and, you know, some, some fun little bit of like Nintendo history there. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, like another little bit of history and just kind of go into like our next story here uh, was the world record basically for dragsters. So if you've been kind of following with uh, like twin galaxies and like, you know, with the way that they kind of like keep like their scores and everything, you'll know that there was like a, this kind of long standing, like long, long standing, like world record for the game dragster uh, where someone uh, got five point five one seconds. Which, Not just someone, Todd Rogers. Todd Rogers, yes. Someone who submitted the record back in 1982. He got a patch for it. He got thrown into the Twin Galaxies history books. He got put in the Guinness World Records. He just got an honor back in April 2017. But apparently now it's all for naught. Yeah, yeah. So um, because like for like the longest time, this has kind of been like a point of like controversy. Really, no one could ever even match that that record. Like the closest that anyone could ever make it was five point six one seconds. So mm-hmm. for anyone to reach five point five one seconds seemed to be impossible. Uh, but Rogers, like you know, he 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 insisted that like you know he did do it. Like it was you know he, you know he was able to you know to do it there, and he has a like, screenshot and everything like to kind of prove it and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently like you know that is kind of like deemed now to be impossible like there is no way that someone could have made that speed run so as, as you said there robert like it got you know it got pulled from twin galaxies and rogers himself has actually been banned from uh from submitting any more uh scores at all in twin galaxies yeah i mean back in 1982 submitting submitting for a high score in video games was a lot easier it was a matter of you know doing a screenshot or anything like that these days you have streaming video you have people that do competitions in person and all that stuff it's a little more intricate but it's also uh, more evidential proof than just say the screenshot and everything like that so uh, with that rogers kind of responded that i mean he understood and he applauded the team for you know holding you know, i'm not making sure that cheating won over the day and everything like that but he also had a pretty lengthy response here i'm just going to read a quick excerpt of it everything like that who i am and what i have done with my life will not be defined by 
by a score that I produced live that others do not believe because they were not there. For those who have shown me unwavering support over the last few months, thank you. I will continue play games I enjoy and have fun doing so. After all, isn't that what gaming is all about? Uh, he's he's absolutely right. I mean, I, I can understand him being upset that after all these years, now they decide to pull his record and everything like that. But he, he's taking it like a champ. You know, he's, he's saying, you know, you can call me a cheat all you want and everything like that. But I know I've accomplished a lot of great things and everything. And, you know, even though he's not in Twin Galaxies um, leaderboards anymore, he, he still is. And he's still got a lot of support from the gaming community, you know. And yeah. th- I can't help but think there's some question here. Is this going to lead to investigation to other things? Because my buddy Patrick Scott Patterson, he's been talking all week about this. If Todd Rogers is is, is the subject of a mm, witch hunt, I guess, score hunt, whatever it's called. Score hunt, I guess, yeah. <laughs> sure. Then what about Billy Mitchell? Because for years, people That's have been true. questioning Billy Mitchell. You know, they questioned his uh, getting the high score in the King of Kong off of what, a vertical monitor with video interference. Right. They questioned him trying to get scores in real time, in which he didn't. Instead, he went off to help other players. You know, there's so many things that could be reported on him my question is if they're going to go after rogers what's the next step are they going to look into mitchell are they going to look into other records that are questionable i mean one investigation is good i understand you want to stand against cheating and everything like that but you can't just make it about one man and look the other way when it comes to one of twin galaxy's biggest names he needs to be investigated too yeah i like i think because of how long that this particular world record has been around for and all the controversy that has kind of followed it ever since then you know again because no one has been able to ever replicate it at all um, you know, that's that's kind of been like this particular record has always been kind of thrown into doubt, uh, you know, for all these years now. And so it's finally kind of come to a head where, you know, the, the Twin Galaxies had to kind of like basically say that, like, listen, we don't think that this is even possible. Um, and I don't know if they just kind of like outright, like, you know, call him a cheat or anything like that. I think they, they just kind of just came to the conclusion that this score is impossible and we can't accept it anymore. And so just kind of strike it from the record and, you know, to kind of fall suit with that also, uh, as we said, to, you know, to kind of take him, uh, to take, uh, Rogers like off of, uh, any sort of like, uh, Twin Galaxies score submissions, like, you know, here or in the future. Uh, but also like along with that too, uh, Guinness world records. Cause like they also recognize the, the 5.5 ones, uh, you know, like record and everything. They also removed Todd Rogers from their archive as well. So basically everything like, you know, in terms of like Todd Rogers with the game dragster is pretty much stricken from all official records as far as like that score, uh, or that time and everything. So it's, um, I don't know. He is certainly taking it like a champ and, you know, I like I certainly wouldn't expect anyone really to kind of take it, you know, so well, I guess, in a sense, especially since like he, he has reported about getting like harassed online and, you know, people going after like his family and things like that. Like just really, really crazy and just really terrible stuff, honestly, like that, you, mm-hmm. I guess, nowadays have to expect from people on the on the Internet. So um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do wish him like, like the best of luck, honestly. And um, it, it's a shame that kind of has to, I guess, come to that head. But so, you know, so be it. Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, it's it's just so hard to stomach. You know, it's like I can understand the circumstances of why they pulled the record. But again, I can't help but wonder what their next step is. The investigative process is going to be. I do wish Rogers the best, and I do hope he keeps on gaming. You know, he he shouldn't give up what he loves, and I think people should get off his case. You know, there are, there are a lot of worse things than oh he faked this record. He didn't fake the record. I mean, we don't have any proof that he lied or anything like that. It was just an inconclusive investigation, which has said no, it's not going to happen. The, the, the closest time they've gotten, important according to the report, is like five point five seven seconds uh somebody by the name of omni gamer claims to have gotten this provided video proof so Mm. i mean 
it's close. It's like 0. 0.06 seconds. Are we really going to give somebody shit over 0. 0.06 seconds? <laughs> it, it's, it's very hard to say. Uh, I mean, and, and as you said before, too, there, Robert, like the you know the submission of high scores back then, or like you know, of like any sort of records back then, uh, was certainly simpler as far as like just providing a screenshot and that's recognized as like okay, I guess they did it, and then it's kind of just recorded that way. Uh, but that does kind of throw like some, I guess, like skepticism, like whenever there is like a score, um, you know, like that, like where no one has been able to even like match it, um, you know, over all these years and everything since 1982. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just really, I, like, I always want to give someone like the benefit of the doubt. So who knows? Maybe it was like, you know, a glitch in the playthrough of like, you know, maybe there was like something with like the time, like at that particular time of play, because we know that that games can be have like some like unpredictable nature to them in some cases um it's really hard you know it's really hard to say honestly and um i i don't believe he doctored like the photo like when he submitted it or anything it's i don't know it's just one of those like inconclusive things where i think it got to a point because of how long that this record has been standing and because of all the controversy behind it you know twin galaxies i guess was kind of like uh felt forced that like listen we have to come to to a conclusion to this because of the fact that no one can even match this score, we just need to just strick it all together and actually kind of, I guess, look over all records going forward with like a, with like a closer eye, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and he's not the only legend who who's facing like, like an uphill battle this week. Uh, there was another one that we saw. Uh, looks like it was happening. Uh, originally, the Game Developers Conference was set to give a Pioneer Award to Nolan Bushnell. Everybody knows, helped create Pong, helped get Atari off the ground and everything like that. But lately, something's come up, and now it had to rescind the award because apparently um, numerous game developers pointed out reports of sexually inappropriate comments and behavior made by Bushnell back Back in the early days of Atari, um, this is another concerning story. There, David. Uh, I mean, I've got the apparently I've got the response here. It says the Game Developers Choice Awards Advisory Committee, who vote on the special award winners for each show, have made a decision not to give out a Pioneer Award for this year's event, following additional feedback from the community. They believe their picks should reflect the values of today's game industry and will dedicate this year's award to honor the pioneering and unheard voices of the past. Now. I haven't heard about this till now, really. I mean, I, I know everything that's going on with the Me Too movement and all these women with these with these stories about what these guys have done and everything like that. And I'm, it's just kind of st- – I, I never really imagined Bushnell would have that kind of behavior, but that's just the way of the world sometimes. Yeah, and I, I – you know, and honestly, Bushnell has not shied away from this either. Like he admits to like, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, quote, living that 70s lifestyle, that like post-hippie mm-hmm. lifestyle basically where it was that, uh, you know, kind of like free love, man. And like just kind of like you know people going around and uh, really expressing themselves sexually, With free in a, love, open way. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like he comes from that era. It's not to dismiss like anything that he may or may not have done. Um, I mean, like he mentions things about like you know being in the hot tub and like trying to get like some you know woman to kind of join in the hot tub like with him and some guys or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, the, the, this is like the sort of thing where I feel like you do have to kind of like look at it within its context and. Mm-hmm. I don't I, like as far as like from everything that I've you know that I've like kind of read as far as like what he's done and what he's kind of like admitted to doing, um, it's obviously not condoned now. This is like a different world that we live in than we did in the seventies, like back when Atari totally. was in its heyday and everything. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things like where you do kind of have to take it 
you know, for what it was back then. Uh, just like how, like, yeah, actually, like a, a great example of this actually was when um, I was actually shopping for uh, for like Tom and Jerry DVDs actually, and I was specifically looking for Tom and Jerry DVDs that retained the exact episodes as they were like originally shown. And there are like you know some episodes of Tom and Jerry where they show the housekeeper basically in like kind of stereotypical like kind of. Um, like African American kind of like style and everything, like how they did like back in the old cartoons and everything. Oh, you know, I have a droopy set that's that's like that, the unedited cartoons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like it, it's kind of like a similar sort of sort of thing, like where you do kind of have to accept for what it is at, at face value, but at the same time, because of the world that we live in now, because we you know, we are in a movement and rightfully so, like for women to kind of like stand up against like this sort of thing and um, you know be treated more as equals more than ever now. Um, you know, like the GDC did kind of have like their hands tied a bit. Like, listen, we do have to like because of the timing of, and, and everything with you know with your history and that you've admitted to all this uh, and with the whole Me Too movement, Times Up movement, all that stuff. Um, it, it was the right move, really, to kind of make. And Bushnell himself also like admitted that, like, yeah, that you know, honestly, that was the right move, and I don't blame you, and I do apologize for my actions like from before. Um, but again, you do kind of have to. I guess I kind of see it for for what it was back then in the 70s and stuff and uh, where things like that was kind of deemed more appropriate, even though it's not really appropriate now. I mean, if that makes sense, I guess, you know. Oh, it does. It does. It's just different time, like you said. And back then it was more, like you said, a little more free, free, you know, everybody was doing their own thing and they didn't really mind so much nowadays, though. I mean, like. When you hear about all these monstrous stories that are going around, I mean, obviously, Nolan Bushnell is not on the same level of Harvey Weinstein. We, we don't know. I mean, we don't know exactly what he said or anything. But, I mean, I know some people who did some monstrous things and deserve to be called out for it and, and everything like that. But it's just really surprising. Like, sometimes the people you least expect end up looking like some sort of monster and everything. Like that. And it, it, it takes you for a loop. It does. because. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think Bushnell, and like I said, he took it like a champ. He responded. I actually have his response here. I applaud the GDC for ensuring that their institution reflects what is right, specifically with regards to how people should be treated in the workplace. And if that means an award is the price I have to pay personally so the whole industry may be more aware and sensitive to these issues, I applaud that too. If my personal actions or the actions of anyone who ever worked with me offended or caused pain to anyone at our companies, then I apologize without reservation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – at least he's not, you know, he's not turning it into an opportunity to promote something else, or or shying away, or threatening to take him to court, or anything like that. He he just said okay. Yeah, I mean, he 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 definitely like owns up to it, and I'll I'll definitely applaud him for that. And um, again, I, I should reiterate, like you know, just because uh, I do have like somewhat of a stance, like with um, you, know, you, you do have to kind of like see it in context and everything. Doesn't mean that I approve of what he did back then or anything. But it's it's again, oh, no. it's got that context of like why that sort of thing happened, and you know, certainly in, in an environment like Atari back then, I mean, it was it was basically more of a kind of like a frat house sort of uh, sort of environment as opposed to like your standard business, like how you would see nowadays. Uh, in any sort of you know major game company uh, like you, like you do now, so um, so yeah, I mean hopefully Bushnell will be um, I guess like you know get, you know I guess have like some sort of recognition like for everything that he's done in in this, in this sort of context later on down the road, but certainly now I, I you know you, you could totally understand like a why the you know the GDC just can't 
move ahead like with you know with that uh you know with their initial um nomination of him being the uh, the pioneer award winner, yeah so. and on top of that you know they're still honoring rami they're still honoring tim schaefer from double fine so i mean they they still got like who's who of like who they're naming in regards to that as far as i know yeah so um you know it, it's still going to be a great presentation so i'm not worried about that for sure, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll move on with that then to the part of the show called What Are You Playing? We'll get to the games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Robert, what have you been playing? I'm playing a couple of games. I've been playing Celeste. Uh, Celeste is the latest game from Matt Thorson, a.k.a. Matt Makes Games. Uh, he made Towerfall Ascension. Uh, this is a platforming game for Nintendo Switch and other platforms, and it's really hard. <laughs> it, it, it's a good old school platformer and everything like that, but the way they set it up is like the levels are incredibly challenging when it comes to getting around obstacles and everything like like spiked walls, spiked floors, you know, this floor is covered in corrosion that'll kill you if you touch it, like clones that come chasing after you. It, it, it's a really well done game though. I mean, it, it's got a terrific storyline to it. It's, it's really come together. I'm still working on it, but based upon what I've seen so far, it's really well done. Um, the graphics and sound are great. Uh, the gameplay is really cool and there are options here. Uh, if you struggle with the game too much, you can actually turn on assist mode. You can like turn on invincibility. You could turn on like infinite like sky boosting if you need like you know avoid hitting the ground or whatever. And there are options available. I mean, and it, the game doesn't pick on you if you turn them on. It says, look, this game is best if you play it without the cheats. But if you have to play it with the cheats, we understand. Just enjoy it, you know. And I like that. I, I like that. So I don't feel like such an ass if I have to turn them on <laughs> for this one level, you know, and get through it all. Um, but this is a really great game. Uh, between that and Iconoclasts, which is another good platformer, and that, that was a lot of fun as well. But I'll tell you what blew my mind this week. Shadow of the Colossus. Mm. Uh, this is coming up next week for PlayStation 4. Uh, this was a game. It's not a remake. Well, it, it is a remake. It's not a remaster, if you will, because Bluepoint Games remade it from the ground up with the original source code provided by Team Eco. So it is a new game, but it isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely beautiful graphic. I mean, you probably played it at uh, at one of the events or something. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out yet. Yeah, uh, I got I, I got to check out like like a little bit of it for sure. And I, I've certainly played the, uh, you know, like when it originally came out on uh, PS2 and everything. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, like what they did, like as far as like remastering like the game and just kind of like updating it basically with uh, more of like today's visuals, basically. Uh, it is, uh, it, you know, is really, really impressive with what they did. And it's just, it's just like, yeah, it's like you said, it's like an absolutely gorgeous game. So it really is. And then, um, you know, it's just the gameplay's actually improved, too. Like there are different play options available and. Like you can go on an easy difficulty if you really wanted to be a kickwalker, you can make it really difficult if you choose, and it just feels a lot more natural on the PlayStation Four. And uh, you know, Blue Boy's always done great work. They did the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection uh, a little while back, and that was a blast. I mean, they did it really well on that, and uh, I commend them on this. This is easily one of the best uh, remakes of all time, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, what would happen if they went back and worked on something? I, I don't know. What if they worked on Eco? You know, what if they worked on? Um, like the Sly Cooper games, God, I mean, I'd love to see a Sly Cooper 60 frames per second remastered. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down, please. And oh, thank yeah. You. Um, so yeah, I've been playing those, and then I've been playing this side-scrolling beat 'em up called Wolverblade. Mm. Uh, this is what came out a while ago for Nintendo Switch. It's out now for Xbox One, PS4, and Steam. In fact, we're gonna give away a Steam code a little bit later today. It's Vikings meets Final Fight. 
So you can like hack up um, opponents with like three different characters. Uh, there are different tactics you can use. You can call wolves to help you out. Uh, the game features a very cool animation style, similar to like the Penny Arcade games from years ago, uh, but with Viking designs, obviously. And the gameplay is a lot of fun. Uh, and you can team up with a friend, just like in Final Fight or whatever, and you can hack enemies to pieces. You know, it, it's that sort of game. It's just really cool. And I'll have to, I'll see, I'll have to see if I can get you a code there, David, because this is a good game you probably hack and slash through too. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've, 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 I've certainly kind of like looked it up and everything. Like ever since you, you know, you started kind of doing some, uh, some game code giveaways actually in the name of Arcast. So, uh, so like, I, like I know some people have been like really excited to kind of get their hands on that. And uh, so yeah, with like Wolverblade definitely is, uh, is one to kind of check out for sure. By the way, it's twitter.com slash argpodcast. We'll be giving more of those codes away. So if you want to get your Wolverblade on, there you go. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so as far as what I've been playing, uh, obviously Overwatch, uh, so I won't embellish too much on that because it's Overwatch and still still on the hunt to get to Platinum. So uh, aside from that, also playing some Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, definitely haven't been playing as much of it as I would have liked to, just because every time I go online, I have like my buddy who's wanting to play Overwatch with me and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, with, Dra- with Dragon Ball Fighters, with what I have played so far, it's it's been like a lot of fun, and um, I, I feel like I feel like. Um, like I'm kind of leaning right now on the team of Beerus, Hit, and Goku Black. Like I feel like that's kind of like a pretty good, uh, pretty good team that has some pretty good symbiosis oh, together. Not Yamcha. Come on, <laughs> Trunks. Yamcha. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I, I will say, like, just, just like the overall fan service in the game is amazing. Like, obviously, like they have the um, uh, that famous Yamcha moment, like where he gets uh, blown up by the uh, the Cybermen. If you have. Um, uh, God, uh, Nappa like uh, you know like like beat Yamcha in, like in a specific stage, and they actually like recreate that whole thing along with like other fan servicey kind of things like that. Uh, but yeah, like there's some like really really cool things, and even uh, like one of my favorite ones actually is if you have uh, Vegeta and Trunks teamed up together, and Trunks calls Vegeta's assist. Uh, Vegeta yells out, "Move out of the way, Trunks!" <laughs> <laughs> See, that's devotion. I've been loving this game like since it came out. I've actually been playing it more than playing Monster Hunter World. <laughs> Just kind of sad because this Monster Hunter, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, but I'm blowing up a planet trying to right. kill Android Twenty One. Take that. I know it's just it's just anime the video game basically like it's it's so 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 anime and it's it's just done really really well and uh, you know I'm definitely looking forward to playing more of that. Uh, aside from that, and you'll be happy to know this too, Robert, I've been playing a little bit of Windjammers as well. So uh, Windjammers I picked up actually just because it was like stupidly on sale, like it was like I don't know, I think like six or seven bucks or something like that on uh, on PS4. Uh, I've been kind of like waiting on picking it up just because um, I want to see like a Switch version. I think that game would be amazing on Switch, uh, just because of the very nature of it. That that you know that one on one kind of style. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's cool. It's Windjammers. So that's exactly how I remember it. And um, yeah, I went through like, the whole kind of like uh, I don't know like arcade mode basically. And the computer can be a real bitch sometimes <laughs> to kind of get through. But it's uh, it's definitely a lot of fun and, de- and definitely uh, definitely a cool challenging game. And it, it's amazing like if you do uh, if, if you play against a friend and everything. So definitely yeah, I, check out. I keep losing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just too quick. You know, I'll be like, wait a minute, you, how did you get ten nothing already? What the right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, aside from that too, uh, I've also been playing some Super Mario World. So um, I actually have this on my 3DS, and I've just been kind of like been in that Mario World mood basically. So uh, it's actually kind of amazing, like how your muscle memory will still kind of like recall certain things like from your childhood. So as I'm going through Mario World and looking at the overworld and everything, I'm like. 
I think the blue switch palace is there, and then I go through like the level and find this special key, and then lo and behold, there's a blue switch palace, <laughs> and uh, you know, along with like other things too. But uh, I'm actually like at the um, Star Road right now, which is like the special world and stuff with the big Famicom symbol like at the top. And um, yeah, like I, I, I was actually reminded like uh, by someone on Twitter actually uh, who said that like if you if you beat the special world, uh, the, you know, if you go through basically the entire Star uh, Star Road, um, it tr- it transforms the uh, the overworld map to be uh, kind of like a fall theme instead of like the kind of spring summer whatever it's supposed to be in that uh, in the normal setting. So, uh, this, so you know it's pretty cool and definitely looking forward to uh, just kind of going through the rest of that and reliving more of my childhood memories of the SNES classics. So, uh, so yeah, and with that, uh, I do have a game code here to give away, actually. So this is a game code here for Non-Guns on Steam. So Non-Guns is a nihilistic action platformer which combines hectic shootouts with the management of a mysterious idol game. Each run will have you parting from a black-and-white graveyard into an ever-changing gothic dungeon full of nightmares fleshed out of human viscera. Surviving this distraught roguelike will not only require skill, but style. So if that sounds like you're kind of jammed, definitely jump on this. The Steam code here is LFPDJEZP3PD5PR4. Again, that's non-guns on Steam. Enjoy. So with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So to start us off, and since this is a Battletoads episode, we're going to be going into some Battletoads titles here. Uh, we're going to start off with Battletoads and Double Dragons. So this is a 1993... The Ultimate Team! The Sorry, Ultimate I Team. <laughs> I had to say, at this part of the title, it says The Ultimate Team right that, underneath. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So Battletoads and Double Dragons, The Ultimate Team, is a 1993 beat-em-up by Rare. Despite the fact Technos, uh, Technos Japan owned the, the Double Dragon IP, they had little to no involvement in the game's production. It was the first Battletoads game to have Rash, Zitz, and Pimple as playable characters at the same time. And although the SNES and Genesis ports were very similar, the Genesis version is generally favored for having smoother gameplay, more music tracks, and blood from enemies' defeated portraits, which we'll definitely get more into uh, bloody Battletoads action later on. Uh, but Robert, uh, I'm sure you played a whole crap ton of Battletoads and Double Dragon, yeah? You, you know what? Out of all the versions that are available, I actually like the NES one because mm. it was simple. It looked great. It sounded great. It had the old Battletoads vibe to it. I mean, the Super NES port was great too. Fun music and all that stuff, and the graphics are good. And the Genesis version was – I mean, they were all equally across the board great ports. But I don't know. I, I like the old school nature of the NES version, not to mention the fact that the NES version is kind of the rarest of the three, especially mm. if you're trying to hunt down a copy with a box. I remember seeing it at PAX – well, something like last year, I think it was for like three hundred. Yeah, that so, sounds about right. because I, I, yeah. I remember seeing like a box version of it like not too long ago as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a great game though. No matter which version you pick, it's a fun two-player game. Not to mention the fact that the speeder bike stage can actually be beat. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a lot simpler than than the original Battletoads speeder bike for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I actually own the, um, the the NES version as well, and uh, that you know, so that's the one I played all the time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. But I, I was always like, I always wanted to kind of play through the SNES or Genesis versions, just because you know of the nicer graphics and just I don't know, just cooler sprites and everything. I don't know. Like I like I figured like it would be like you know the quote unquote better version. But the NES was what I had at the time when the game came out. When I saw the game, I was like, I have to have it. Like, how many crossovers do you see? Like you know back then anyway. Like you didn't really see too many crossovers of different like franchises basically in one thing. You know. Uh, so to see Battletoads and Double Dragon together and see it like work so well too. I mean, it was just 
this is a hell of a fun game. And like one one particular part of that game I really really love is uh, basically the asteroids level. Uh, with you in a small spaceship and going around just kind of blasting like you know the asteroids and like you know like the uh, like uh, enemy ships and like the like uh, the boss at the end too is just like a giant ship basically they like take mm-hmm. out and almost kind of turns like a bullet hell kind of thing if I remember correctly it, it was a fun game it, it was really a lot of fun I mean it wasn't legendary like the original Battletoads because I still think its variety was way better but Double Dragon was real Battletoads Double Dragon was really spirited now the question here David which side do you enjoy playing more Battletoads or Double Dragon? So I, I actually I actually like playing as the Double Dragons more overall, just because the fact that they could uh, do do jump kicks and like the Battletoads didn't really have any sort of jumping attack. It was literally just jump and jab kind of thing. Um, so I liked them better. I, th- I, th- I thought they were better overall than, than the Battletoads, you know, purely for that reason. Um, but also for the fact that um, uh, what was it like? Like I think we talked about this in the previous episode though. But like there was the uh, it was either like level two or level three, like where there's like the um, the whipping women in it, and so level three. It was level three. Okay, so like in level three, like with the whipping women, and like when you grab them, uh, I know for the double dragons, they actually hold them up by the hair and just punch them in the face over and over. <laughs> oh, it no. was pretty bad. Like it, it, it like I, I do kind of like debate, I guess, like with which one is worse, like either either the, the double dragon uh, brothers, like uh, you know, holding them up by the hair and punching them in the face over and over, or with the Balto's actually whipping them by the hair and slamming them to the ground over and over. Uh, I mean, I would say probably like the you know, like the Battletoads do them do them dirtier, honestly, than like the Double Dragons. But uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to you there. Oh sure, put me on the spot. That's fair. Sure. <laughs> Let's just say I enjoyed kicking somebody in the face while riding a speeder bike, and I'll leave it at that. There we okay. go. There we go. I'm not going to talk about which way did you like to hit a woman. Wait, right. What? No, but don't. That's even worse than the rash pimple reference. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. How dare you put me on the spot? <laughs> I mean, I, I like I know like if you go back to that and like actually kind of like see as like because I, I remember like kind of looking up some footage just to kind of remind myself of some parts of that game and it's just like oh wow like you really do them dirty in that game no matter which side you play as so it's uh, it's pretty bad but uh, but yeah so with that uh, there's another Battletoads game to get you know to get into here and it's Battletoads Arcade so ah uh, yes so this is a 1994 beat 'em up by Rare. It was Rare's first game to use 3D graphics technology that would later be popularized in Donkey Kong Country and Killer Instinct, as well as the first game in the franchise to have three-player co-op, so you can actually play as all three Battletoads at the same time. Like, that was, like, the first time it had done that. And um, since there were no plans for a home console release at the time, Rare took greater liberties with violence, including gore and decapitations. And as of this moment, it is the last entry in the Battletoads franchise, so... Keep in mind, too, that um, I believe the uh, the first Battletoads game came out in 1991, and so this came out in 1994. So the, the, the Battletoads franchise really kind of only had that three-year window, pretty much, of popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, you know, it, it, it really went out with a bang, like with, uh, with Battletoads Arcade, for sure. Oh, yeah, and there were a couple of the notes from that, too. First of all, it was actually published by Electronic Arts. Yes. They're, they were doing very few arcade games at the time, and... It was actually they were kind of one of their debuting titles, which I thought was kind of interesting because I thought, like, out of all people, Trade West would pick them up, you know, because they'd released the uh, the NES game. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that. And also you can play it uh, at home 
because it, along with the original Battletoads, was released uh, in a, a package called Rare Replay, which is available for Xbox One. And the games are arcade perfect. I mean, they're, 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 they're perfect right down to their last pixels. So if you ever wanted to see what the arcade game was like and you didn't see the, the actual arcade unit, this is the next best way to discover it. And it's really cool. Yeah, and you can actually play it now if you have an Xbox One because it's it's part of Rare Replay and like one of the I would say like one of the best reasons honestly to get Rare Replay because of the fact that there's no other way to play this unless you can actually find uh, like the actual arcade cabinet, uh, which is actually like, the only way that that I personally played it actually was uh, was during my time at uh, in Portland for the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, there was a uh, like a barcade that you know that we went to like during our time there. And, um, you know, they actually had the Battletoads arcade game there. I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is like my chance now to play it. Like, I have to play it. It's like right here in front of me. So I remember just playing it. And just, you know, it just blew my mind with like just how over the top violent it was. And just oh, yeah. Crazy. Not to mention back when you're eating bugs, the greatest sound effect in the world. Yeah, it was like, yeah. And the bosses. Oh, you, you took on like I believe it was a giant worm in one. Lo- and he could actually come down. And kill you in one shot. He could chew you up, and then that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he could like, kill you, you in one shot. It was it was so cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so twisted. I actually wanted to find an arcade unit of this, but I'm happy with the Xbox One port. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a great game. I wish it got better distribution, but you know. Um, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, because I know, like with Battletoads Arcade, like it didn't, it didn't actually like, uh, like fare all too well as far as like its sales and everything, which is, uh, which is a shame because there, like, even though like it didn't originally have any plans like for that home console port, there was, there, there was actually an SNES port that was in the works of being made, uh, but that got scrapped like after you know yeah. apparently like the sales of of um, Battletoads Arcade, or it could have also been maybe like with the violence of it, and then maybe thinking that that won't sell, especially on a, on a Nintendo console at the time. You know, with how, how Nintendo was very stringent with that sort of material. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, Nintendo didn't get left out in the cold, though. I mean, that that brings us kind of into our uh, our obscura, in which I'll bring up Battletoads and Battle Maniacs. Mm. So, you know, it did not get Battletoads Arcade, but it did get this, and this game wasn't too bad. You know, it, it followed two different Battletoads, Rash and Pimple, on a quest to stop Silas Volkmeyer and the evil Dark Queen from ruling over the world. Um, it featured kind of enhanced and remixed levels from the original Battletoads. Like, say, when you're going down, um, down, down the shaft, like in the original Battletoads with ropes, this one kind of had you on floating uh, platform. Floating. Floating. <laughs> floating. I'm, I'm using words too much again. Floating platforms. Um, and it was kind of fun. You know, it was kind of cool with the special effects and everything. Like, because when you did, like, like one of those dash headbutts things, you actually grew out gigantic goat horns. Yeah, it looked awesome. Yeah. It did. <laughs> you know, it wasn't as bloody as the arcade game, but it was a lot of fun, you know. And I don't think it sold as well as the original NES Battletoads, but it did get a lot of recognition, you know, and people really enjoyed for what it had to offer and the humorous touches and all that and the different style of stages, you know. it, But. I don't know. You know, th- this game kind of got overlooked in comparison to the original Battletoads game, but I always thought it was a fun time and everything. But it would have been interesting to see how a port of Battletoads Arcade would have done on the yeah. Super Nintendo. For sure, yeah. I mean, like, I, you know, like I know like, with Battletoads and Battle Maniacs, I, I actually didn't play this all the way through. I, I've only played it, um, like, in passing, like, over at a friend's house. And I, I, I really liked it, but, like, I just didn't have the time. Um, to you know, to play it more, and I didn't have the money in order to actually buy my own copy, so uh, I I just didn't have a chance really to kind of play it all the way through. But that's definitely one that I want to kind of get back to. Um, yeah, certainly sometime in the near future. 
I'm uh, sure you will. Um, and, yeah. and there was also one other note here. Uh, the game originally appeared on the Super Nintendo, but then Cyrox Developments ported it to the Sega Master System. Yeah, uh, I saw this that. Was only released, <laughs> it was only released in like certain markets. We didn't get it here in the U.S. because obviously the Master System didn't do amazing here. But I heard the port actually was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't as detailed as the Super Nintendo version, but I don't know. It's something that always struck me as curious to play it. I just don't want to pay $180 for a cartridge. I just, right. <laughs> I, I can wait. I'll play the Super NES one. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that Super Nintendo got the regular version and then Master System got one after. It kind of went from 16-bit to 8-bit. Yeah. I, I think the same thing happened actually with uh, with Street Fighter 2 because like, there, there was a Master System version of Street Fighter 2 that came out that yeah. is – it's really, really interesting to kind of like watch that, especially like if you're just kind of used to the SNES or arcade version of Street Fighter 2 and you kind of see this uh, basically what would be the equivalent, I guess, of, of an NES version <laughs> style of Street Fighter 2. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. And uh, I, I actually haven't seen the Battle Maniacs um, like, you know, like Master System version. I only just learned about it just now, actually, that there is a Master System version of Battle Maniacs. But, uh, but yeah, that's really cool and certainly something to check out for curiosity. Yeah, so. uh, check out YouTube. Just look at gameplay and I'm sure somebody posted something. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So that's going to lead us now to our main topic, which is, as you can probably guess, more Battletoads. So this is going to be basically uh, us talking about the Battletoads franchise as a whole, um, and I guess like you know why we love it so much, and uh, you know basically it's a little bit of history and things like that. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious, like for anyone who even knows like the Battletoads a little bit, or even if you just look at the Battletoads, uh, that there was a direct um, like inspiration, we'll say, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, just like these you know anthropomorphic, um, just I don't know reptilian style like characters, whatever, and like just kind of kicking ass and stuff. But instead of wearing ninja masks and using weapons, the Battletoads basically are weapons because they can turn their fists into like anvils and their feet turn into big boots and like boot people like off into the screen or like way off to the far end of the, of the earth or whatever um so yeah and like you know, some really cool stuff or even like that you know decapitate people in the Battletoads arcade with a uh, buzzsaw like kick to the head you, so, you you have a lot of fixation on decapitations are you okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> and his head comes off and his head comes off <laughs> yeah I, I, i've been playing too, too much mutant football league as well so <laughs> there's a little bit of that shotgun. bloodthirst coming out where the shotgun formation literally has a shotgun yes, yes. i'm aware <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, so you know, with like Battletoads, as I mentioned like earlier before too, kind of had that three-year window. Um, you know, as I, I just kind of looked up here, that the original Battletoads came out in June 1991, and then uh, you know with uh, with Battletoads Arcade that came out in 1994, and that was effectively the last Battletoads game that we've seen. Um, although ever since then, we have seen like the Battletoads come back in cameo form, basically in terms of uh, being uh, being like uh, like extra characters who you go go up against in Shovel Knight for Xbox One. And um, also in uh, Killer Instinct for Xbox One, they added in Rash in there, which is really really neat. And uh, I, th- I thought they like did like an awesome job just um, making you know making Rash in that game and really being true to form to just that Battletoad style with how zany and over the top it is and everything. Uh, even coming down with like the speeder bike and everything uh, for like a super and stuff. So oh yeah, um, that that's loyalty to no end. I love what they did with that character. It was so good. Yeah, but like with, with like the people over at Yacht Club Games with, with the way that they handled that the Battletoads fight was just unreal and really actually made me want to see a new Battletoads game in that style and like the Shovel Knight style like by Yacht Club and everything. Um, I just want to see like a new Battletoads kind of come out like in any sort of way. I feel like even if it was like Battletoads soccer, like a Mega Man soccer kind of thing. But <laughs> I don't know. it would just be cool to see more more Battletoads, I guess, like just because um, th- they are essentially the 
I don't know, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the video game sense, I guess. Okay, now, before we go anywhere any further, the soccer game, will the soccer ball be a decapitated head? It could be, yeah. <laughs> you and your fixation with it. <laughs> uh, I love the way Rash plays in Killer Instinct. It, it is awesome. And, uh, you know, it's a nice little nod to what Rare's been doing. Rare said eventually they will revisit Battletoads down the line. Obviously, right now they're working on Sea of Thieves and then whatever comes next, hopefully conquer please mm, um but you know nice. um but yeah they, they said they have fine appreciation for the battle toads you know microsoft does too because you remember like a couple of years ago phil spencer was in a meeting and he was wearing the battle toads shirt that's right so you know yeah they've got love you know and I, i'd love to see a new battle toads game let yacht club games make a new battle toads game right Boom. <laughs> Salt. Salt. <laughs> um so i i figured it'd be good like you know obviously like you know we we want to see like new battle toads but i guess like with like where we started with battle toads and obviously with uh I, like i'm i'm almost 100 percent certain like with both you and i first start off with the nes battle toads um and just kind of like pounding our heads like over trying to get uh, get through level three with the turbo tunnel um and then like eventually kind of get through that until you know hit like another wall because that game is stupidly hard no matter which level you're playing on <laughs> but it is just cool how, how their legacy came on and then of course um we have to talk about seeing them in ready player one the trailer there oh yeah uh, just just a little snippet of them, but they do look like Battletoads, which is really – that's how in-depth like you know Ernest Klein and Steven – I wonder if they're actually – did Ernest Klein and Steven Spielberg ever play Battletoads? Like did they just sit down with an old-school NES for like to like try to get through I, I mean, maybe. stage? Yeah, I mean because those, those are definitely the Battletoads, and they are – I think they are with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like in that trailer as well. Yeah. So, I mean like you, you got like you know, both of them together in that one, yeah. one shot. It's pretty neat. And, and no underwater level in sight, which is good. Right. Uh, <laughs> Oh god! But, yeah, because the, the, there was that that water level with the uh, uh, with the, like, the, like the gears chasing you. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, no, well, I mean, well, I was talking about Ninja Turtles, where you were trying to get the bombs diffused and all that freaking lethal. Oh, the dam level. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know if it was dam or if it was underwater, but yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean the Battletoads one was cool too, but I think um, it's just kind of crazy, you know. Like people are showing, still showing appreciation for the series after all these years, and this is after all these years of bitching and moaning that they never beat the game. Like some people, I know some people that still can't get past the speeder bike scene. Yeah, but you know, there's a warp in that stage. If you do the whole thing with a rapid moving stones and you get past the tenth one, there's a there's a warp gate that mm-hmm. takes you two levels ahead. And they yeah. didn't even get to that. No, no. <laughs> That's well, how hard the game was. <laughs> yeah. Like... But at least with like, the warp, it'll just kind of take you directly to uh, was like the Surf City level, um, which is also tough like in its own right, just because uh, you had to kind of like you – know, like if you wanted to jump at all, you had to kind of like time your jump with like when you're skipping on the water. Like it was like right down to like, you know, just like the timing of it pretty much. It was just ridiculous. And even like much later on in the game – uh, with the um, what was it kind of the inferno like it was it's another kind of like uh, almost like another like turbo tunnel but it was like in, in, in like an inferno thing with like electrical gaps like coming down on you and stuff like do you like, like do you remember this at all I, I do and that was a pain in the ass <laughs> but I mean th- these games have always been about like tough levels that are just oh you know especially the original you know like Battletoads Double Dragon is easily approachable compared to the original Battletoads like I only know like a handful of people that beat the final encounter myself included and it's kind of nuts how you get there but um 
for I, I, for for the original game, you mean? Or yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't know if you were talking about the original game or the oh, yeah. legacy as a whole. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with, with like the original. Well, at least like you know, since we're still on the on the original game. Yeah, um, I don't mean to keep jumping around. I mean, I just like there's so much to talk about here. It's kind of nuts. <laughs> I should mention also like that uh, that level I was talking about is Volkmeyer's Inferno. That's that's level. Oh, seven. that's the one you're talking about. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> we're mixing up all these adventures. I mean, like there's so few Battletoads games, and yet like so many memories. There, there, there's a lot to talk about for sure. Oh, <laughs> um, I, I would say like another like really really difficult one was the one after that actually with the uh, the bomb run basically it's uh, intruder oh, excluder. <laughs> I think the one that pissed me off. Remember the one with the worms? The worms you had to ride around in and everything like the that. Snake. With yeah, the, the snake, spikes over the snake. Sorry, but yeah. Oh, it's called uh, Karnath's Lair. That's what it's called. Yeah, they're snakes from Snake Rattle and Roll. Right. That's it. Um, yeah, <laughs> almost. Yeah. They, they were going everywhere, and you had to avoid spikes and all this stuff. And you had to time your jumps perfectly. That yeah. stage was a bitch too. Oh yeah. man. I mean, uh, that, oh. I, I would say like that level, and like a lot of the levels, honestly, in Battletoads comes down to just knowing what to expect, pretty much. So it's just kind of that trial and error, basically. And once you kind of figure it out, then, then you're fine. But even then, like there are some, you know, some levels that just require like just good reflexes, just being like on, pretty much. And um, I, I mentioned actually like Intruder Excluder being like the level with a bomb. That, that's actually not right. It's the Rat Race one that's with the bomb because you have, you're actually like um, trying to get to the bottom of like um, just kind of like. I don't know, like a bottom of like not even like a pit, but it's kind of like a pit like hallway almost, and you have to go through like the little like um, the little openings like in these girders, and some of them move, and you just have uh. to like make sure that you're just moving as fast as you can, falling as fast as you can without hitting like you know certain platforms in order to get to the bomb in time before the um, before like the rat gets to it and blows you both up basically. You know what? <laughs> I can't help but think I broke an NES controller playing through this level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably did uh, that, that uh, and also the uh, the Klinger Winger stage is level eleven. Ah, uh, um, yes, that's the one with the big swirly ball that's chasing you when you're on the unicycle. <laughs> God, is that the surfboard stage wasn't bad enough, man? <laughs> right, and then and then of course you had like level twelve after that with you basically climbing the Dark Queen's uh, the mm-hmm. Dark Queen's tower basically. And, um, yeah, like, it, it, it's kind of funny, actually, because, like, when you actually finally reach, like, the Dark Queen, like, she is basically a cakewalk compared to, like, everything else you had to kind of deal with, pretty much. Like, I, I've only beaten this game uh, once, and obviously it was through, like, the help of, like, with Game Genie and everything, just to kind of, like, experience uh-huh. each, each and every <laughs> level. Um, but, like, as far as, like, n- you know, not doing, like, a like a cheated run, uh, the farthest I made in the game, honestly, was, uh, was Surf City. Like, it is just... A really, really, really tough game. Surf City was a pain in the ass, but I enjoyed it. I mean, this variety is as challenging as it was. It just showed the ingenuity of Rare at the time. They didn't want to make just another side-scrolling platform game. They wanted to make a game that diversified all sorts of gameplay types, and it really worked. You know, I really got a kick of how well it was designed. I mean, it pissed me off, but it pissed <laughs> me off in a good way. You know, that, that that's the sort of game you want. For sure, yeah. And um, what was actually like really interesting too, uh, to kind of like move along with the with the Battletoads franchise here, uh, there were actually like a couple of Game Boy games. Uh, there was the uh, the Game Boy game uh, Battletoads and Ragnarok's World, uh, which is uh, basically kind of like as close to like a direct port as possible to the NES game. Uh, but then there was Battletoads, like just Battletoads on Game Boy, and I actually had the same cover art as the NES Battletoads, but it is a very different game than from that. It's more of like a spin-off, actually. Um, you know, and it's it's just like a totally different game, basically, than from the NES. So I was kind of curious, Robert, like if you played either of these. Mm, that, that's really tough. I don't think I have. I've heard about these, but I don't think I've played either of them, actually. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I know I've seen, uh, and I actually played, like, a little bit of Battletoads in Ragnarok's World, but 
Um, definitely not enough to like you know have a good memory of yeah, it. Yeah, but... yeah, I, I know. And Game Boy at the time, like I said, I was playing more simpler stuff. If I tried to play a platformer on that, or you know anything of that nature on a tiny screen like that, it would have been hard as hell to see. Right, yeah. I mean, like, it was like tough enough with like Super Mario Land and stuff like that. Like, well, on, yeah, I mean, like that. a little dicky Mario. I'm like, you don't even look like Mario. You look like a little turd with legs. What are you, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Very much, yeah. But uh, yeah, apparently that um, th- that Battletoads on gameplay, not not the Ragnarok's world, but the other one with the same like box art, um, like that one is like apparently a hard one to find. Actually, so that's supposed to be one of the rarer, I guess, like Game Boy games to find. Um, but yeah, like that's, that's definitely one I'll have to like kind of go back and like see if I could find like via emulator or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it's a really interesting one. Um, but there's also an LCD game. So this is like actually like Tiger Electronics Battletoads game. Um, I've seen this around before because I actually owned like a few Tiger games. I remember back in the day, but I definitely didn't own the, the Battletoads one. Um, I don't know if, if you saw that at all, Robert, like the, the, the Tiger Electronics Battletoads game. Oh, man, I think I did. I think I tried to actually bid on one of these on eBay uh, <laughs> and I was in a bidding contest for it. And I think it sold under me for like one hundred and twenty bucks. I, I was actually you know, I was I was trying to get a nice little collectible because I have like some Battletoads collectibles. I'm looking up right now at my little shrine with the little um, foam hands that were handed out when Rare Replay was being advertised at E3. You know, so I like to collect Battletoads stuff, but I was trying to get it and somebody snuck it from under me. I'm like, well, enjoy your four frames of gaming. Right. <laughs> for, for, for like 120 bucks at that. Yeah. Jesus. No kidding. <laughs> but people are hardcore collectors. You'd be surprised. I, yeah, I, w- I would be sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Like, especially for like Tiger games. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but then after that was, was Battletoads and Battle Maniacs, which came out in 1993. And um, yeah, we, we we certainly kind of talked about this like earlier, but uh, but yeah, it's certainly like a cool looking game. Uh, certainly, you know, a game that I, I do remember you know liking a lot, just going through like the first level and stuff over that friend's house I mentioned. Uh, and that giant stone pig at the end too is just like a really neat design. Um, and yeah, like you know, certainly certainly one to kind of like check out if you uh, have like a chance to. Um, I, I I certainly uh, am looking to play it once I mod my SNES Classic that, that I uh, have here and yeah. stuff. So uh, def- definitely be looking to kind of play that in the near future. Um, and then after that was Battletoads and Double Dragon, uh, which I will make the argument that Battletoads and Double Dragon is the best Battletoads game in the franchise. Um, I'll just kind of make that argument just because of the fact that it does keep to the tradition of the original Battletoads in the sense of having all sorts of different types of levels. Um, you know, as we mentioned, like with like the asteroids, uh, you know, inspired level, um, and, you know, just like everything else, like, you know, with like the way it, you know, kind of like went through like level after level with like, you know, going down like a vertical corridor and like, you know, with like, you know, they were the return of like the speeder bikes and everything. Right. Um, but like a lot, you know, obviously like a lot easier than there was in the NES game. Uh, and th- that was another thing too, like it being easier. Cause obviously the Battletoads is notorious for being a, a super hard game. Um, but, uh, you know, with, with Battletoads and Double Dragon, it was, you know, it was challenging, but beatable. And like, it, I, I felt like that was like a perfect difficulty, honestly, for a game like that. And, um, it was just, you know, just like a lot of fun and a lot of cool, like a little kitschy fan service kind of stuff, especially if you grew up with Battletoads and Double Dragon characters as, you know, as I have, and just kind of seeing like, you know, characters like a Bobo getting beat up by Pimple and like, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just really neat to see. So it is, I, I thought the crossover was done really well. Um, and it kind of made me wonder like what would happen if we ever saw a sequel or if we saw like other potential crossovers, like you and your dream crossover of Battletoads and Ninja Turtles somewhere down the line. <laughs> yeah. Pretty nice to see. 
But, uh, you know, it, it, it's very seldom that we saw at the time crossovers done properly. You know, it was really a demonstration of capturing the gameplay that made the Battletoads work well, as well as the Double Dragon, you know, Billy and Jimmy Lee, and, and making them all great accessible characters and not really giving one an advantage, which is why it was probably tough for you to answer who was better, Battletoads or Double Dragon. I actually yeah. prefer the Battletoads, but that's just me, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I love playing as both of them and everything, but, like, I feel like if I was to go through the game, like, just to kind of, like, go through it and beat it and everything, I would probably pick, like, like one of the Double Dragons just because that, that jump kick is, like, very, very useful to have. And the Battletoads, unfortunately, don't have a jumping attack, you know? So, uh, but that's, like, the only reason. But otherwise, like, the Battletoads, like, obviously, like, you know, the Battletoads are great with their... Um, you know, with like kind of like the running attacks and just ramming people with their ram horns and like booting them off the stage and things like that. That's that's well, always a lot of fun. You're also forgetting about the double dragon's flying knee. Like if you knock somebody down, you could run up and instead of kicking them like the battle toads do, you could just jump up in the air and you can like knee them off the stage. Yeah, that's right. That was amazing. It was really really good. Yeah, they, I forgot they they had that kind of like I don't know bionic knee, like kind of like a tiger knee, almost like a, like Saga on Street Fighter, and um, yeah, like it, more it was, like it was a ridiculous. reverse knee, but yeah, you get the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, because like um, it was like when they're like on the ground and then they basically do like an atomic like knee drop. Yeah, 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 yeah. and then all of a sudden they go flying. I mean, yeah. like. Yeah, physics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's really, really cool. And uh, yeah, then obviously with like Battletoads Arcade was the, was the release after that, uh, in which uh, you know we, we we you know we talked about this before, but you know with it not selling all too well, uh, that was likely what um, what sparked did not. Um, you know, with it not getting like any sort of like home release, at least until the uh, you know, rare replay came out for Xbox One. Um, but yeah, d- definitely want to kind of look out for if you could find like, so, you know, find like an arcade that has it, or if you have an Xbox One, just get get rare replay. It's, it's certainly worth getting uh, yeah, for that you alone. You get it so. for like 10 bucks, you know? I mean, yeah. you can even get it. I believe some stores are selling a combination of that and Gears of War Ultimate Edition for like 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, that, that is more than worth the investment. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, there was actually going to be like a uh, like a sequel or like a remake, basically that was going to be made for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, so basically, like a return of Battletoads, um, <sighs> but uh, this was uh, you know this was canceled. And um, I was actually trying to see if I could find more information on it, but I didn't really see too much there. But um, at, you know, as, as we mentioned, you know, as, actually as you mentioned there too, Robert, like with uh, Phil Spencer of uh, of like the Xbox team. Um, you know, he has like expressed his interest basically in, in having the Battletoads return in some fashion, uh, including like having like the Battletoads shirt, like, you know, when, when he came out for one of the conferences in the past. And, uh, you know, so, we, you know, since then, we've seen the Battletoads come back in terms of like with Rare Replay, uh, with, uh, you know, obviously with like Rash being a Killer Instinct, with the Battletoads being a Shovel Knight. And, um, yeah, I was trying to see, like, where else they kind of, like, showed up. And uh, I don't think there was anything else aside from, like, uh, there's, like, a Battletoads guide, basically, that came out. It's, like, a battle book, basically. This is, like, back in 94. But mm-hmm. I was kind of kind of looking up everything that's, like, Battletoads-related. Um, but all that can't hold a candle to the Battletoads cartoon, which was... Yes, I was about to say. I've actually watched this before, yeah. yeah. You didn't mention the cartoon. I'm like, David... <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to save the best for last. So. <laughs> but yes, I remember seeing the cartoon too. It's uh, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, th- th- this was actually because uh, I remember like watching it, like when it first aired, and because uh, it was it was airing during like a um, it was like a special block basically of like rainy day cartoons or something like that. So like yeah. I, remember, I remember having a day off from school. Like it was meant to be a school day, but we you know we had it off for whatever reason i think as a weather or whatever so they called it like rainy day cartoons or whatever yeah and, i mean it wasn't yeah. like saturday morning supercade those no. were 
those are questionable cartoons. <laughs> yeah, and this was a very questionable cartoon as well. Like even you know even if you're like um, like a big fan of like the Battletoads, I guess like lore or whatever, because like the cartoon I remember had it like where the Battletoads were actually just like a bunch of like teenage kids or whatever that got mutated into Battletoads. So they they took that that teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, inspiration and you know, took it even a step further, pretty much with you know this kind of transformation, I guess, like of them. Uh, but just to kind of have them be like just a bunch of I don't know surfer kids or whatever, skateboarding kids, and just have them turn into the Baltos was just kind of weird to me. I don't know. Well, I mean, we are talking about cartoons where like what was it? A teen turned into a car, or you know, like <laughs> the Street Sharks, or or the Street Frogs, or you know, the, yeah. the cartoons are very weird at the time. Well, but I think a, that's what I'm so special. You know, it's like yeah. I really wanted to like the Battletoads cartoon to kind of take off like Earthworm Jim's did because you know Earthworm Jim cartoon had Dan Castanella from The Simpsons. Yeah, so, you know, that was done better. <laughs> that, 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 yeah. that was actually done better in terms of like in terms of like cartoons based on like video games stuff. And we'll, we'll certainly have an episode like that. You know, that's like dedicated to um, you know like. TV shows based on like you know games and everything, so we'll get more in depth with, with that you know with that later episode. But uh, yeah, with, with in terms of like Battletoads, like in, you know with the cartoon and everything, um, yeah, I think it was just that pilot episode. I think it was just that like where they you know they show the kids they, they get turned into the Battletoads, they meet the Dark Queen. I think I think Professor T Bird was in there as well. Um, which, by the way, actually reminds me, uh, there is a Professor T Bird on Twitter who just quotes like Professor T Bird quotes from you the original what? NES game. You have to check I out. follow him. I follow him, and then there's also this dude that's Professor K, and he quotes Jet Set's Radio Future stuff that's all right. the time. So we got some <laughs> professors on board for that one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really good, but it's just really cool. Like how the legacy's just been continuing on. I'd love to see an animated show now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, baby- it, it would be. A- Thing. It would be interesting, um, but yeah, like you know, with that cartoon, I mean, like you know, it was just that you know, again, like that um, that one pilot episode, and uh, it was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was pretty bad and everything. Like you know, just to be honest, uh, it, it it was a pretty bad show, but it was definitely interesting in terms of like I don't know how much they were trying to basically make another kind of turtles like franchise, pretty much, and extending it you know beyond the games and trying to do the cartoon. And uh, obviously that did not work out, but hopefully we will see more Battletoads in the future. You know, we, we haven't seen the, you know, those great cameos that we mentioned before, but to see a full-fledged like, Battletoads game come back uh, would be amazing. So yeah. uh, I, I guess that, you know, we'll kind of like end like the topic with that in terms of like what we would want to see out of a modern Battletoads game. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you there, Robert. You, you know what? Uh, it almost makes me think like what could have been with the Game Boy Advance game that got canceled. It'd be like, just keep it simple, graphic and everything like that and the gameplay mix up the stages again because it sounds like that might have been the case with Game Boy Advance because it it sounds like they were remaking the original and they were going to like redo the stages in regards to that so that would have been cool Uh, I'm perfectly happy with the with a remake of the original because you know like I said earlier studios are doing really well with remakes just like a Shadow of the Colossus if Blue Point Games can get their hands on Battletoads hey shit yes Please, <laughs> but you know what I mean. But uh, I'd be just as happy, you know, seeing like what we're seeing now: appearances in Shovel Knight, appearances in Killer Instinct, appearances in Rare Replay, and everything. Why didn't Rare Replay have Battletoads Double Dragon rights? Probably that yeah, would it, nice. it, it, it might have been rights, yeah, because otherwise they would have had to get the rights for um, you know from like whoever owned like the Double Dragon franchise at the time, which I think at that time Arc System Works owned it because like I know they yeah. got it from Technos Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that would have been a great collaboration though. It would have been great to see that game on Rare Replay as well. Maybe somewhere down the road we could get a remake of that because you know like 
when 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 Arc System Works tried to remake Double Dragon into Double Dragon Four, we all know how that turned out. So. Yeah, yeah, that's so, fair. That's there fair. you go, guys. <laughs> Battletoads Double Dragon, just bring that back. Do not make Double Dragon Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although sure. you technically already did, whatever. I just <laughs> that's true. Yeah, because th- there was a Double Dragon Four before that new Double Dragon Four, and it's just weird that they called it Double Dragon Four. I don't know. It's just ah, that's that's strange. Anyway, um, yeah, but with, with like Battletoads, uh, you know, certainly that. And oh, and actually, I was, I was kind of curious too. Um, because uh, I, you know, I mentioned with, with like Battletoads and Double Dragon, like being you know like w- what I consider to be like I guess like the best of the franchise. Which which one do you think is the best of the of the Battletoads franchise? You know what? I, I did like Double Dragon and I love the arcade game, but I think I'm going to stick with the original Battletoads, the game that started it all. Okay. I think it innovated in a number of ways. It was challenging. It was fun in two player. You could actually kill. I think my favorite way to kill somebody in the original Battletoads was to pick them up and then fall into a bottomless pit. Because <laughs> then you're both dead. <laughs> right. Like, Stop killing me. I'm going to steal your lives, you prick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a terrible person, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do co op with Robert. Got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you know, David. Next time you're at a trade show, hey, Robert, uh, why don't I let you take this one? I'm going to step over here and not play with you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so th- that's Battletoads right there. So, why don't you let us know what your favorite Battletoads games and moments were? So, uh, if you want to let us know, you can always, uh, t- you know, just, you know, just like tweet at us at ARG Podcast or just send us an email rcast at retrozap.com so uh so some really awesome memories there about toads and hopefully that won't be the end we see of them in the near future but we'll uh, see yeah uh but you do have a game code here to give away robert Yep, I was talking about Wolverblade earlier. A uh, very cool side-scrolling Final Fight-style Viking game with a lot of bloodshed and everything like that. You can play it with two players. You can play it with three different characters, and just a lot of fun. I've got a Steam code here, and that Steam code is five three Z Q six Y five C six D C B G nine Z. That is for Wolverblade on Steam. Enjoy, and be sure to check the game out when you get a chance. Indeed, indeed. And uh, there's no random select for this episode since there's only like two of us and everything. We like to more than keep likely it. we would have come up with like, "Are you pimple? Are you yeah. sick? <laughs> Are you rash?" I, 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 I would have made it like not not about those character because there's only so many of them. Honestly, so. are you the Dark Queen? You're the Dark Queen. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Are you like the princess or whatever? You, you got to be the princess in that case. Yeah, you're totally. <laughs> but uh, we do have something else we're going to talk about here. This was the topic I wanted to talk about. Uh, we talked in the past about how somebody was trying to make Tetris into a movie or why they thought Battleship was a great theme for a movie, I guess. I don't know, but um, whatever. Some people think it's cheesy fun. Okay, sure. But uh, I want to talk about this. Um, apparently, Pong is being made <laughs> into a TV series, but it's not what you think. It's not not without my paddle or anything like that. It's a it's it's a TV show that's being made into a game show called Million Dollar Pong. Um, essentially, this was reported by Variety earlier today. Atari is working alongside unscripted show producer scott sternberg to bring the show to life uh scott had worked on previous game shows like hollywood squares kids wheel of fortune rock and roll jeopardy and the gong show and love connections so there you go you can connect with people with pong i guess you know i i'm, I'm actually like surprised that, that they didn't call the show the pong show because they're yeah the person behind the gong show who's yeah, like right the pong this. show you know but instead of a gong you just like up oh, scored on you Sorry. that's right <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. This game was really popular back in the seventies. No, Nolan Bushnell. We talk, bring him back up again. Yep. And you know, I, I believe a lot of people were releasing these made for home consoles that just played pong or variations of pong or something like that, or tennis. And now it's 2018 and it's coming to television. 
Yeah. Like 40 something years later, these people are going to be looking at this and be like, I don't get it. They're just lines. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're lines. What kind of character is that, by the way? It's like, I don't it get it, man. Extreme. They're just lines. I know, right? It's like young Keanu Reeves, like, uh, kind of like Bill and Ted kind of right? style. It's like, I don't what, get it. Like, what, if, <laughs> what if they weren't paddles and instead they're just people moving around <laughs> rapidly? Well, we like, talked about this like, just, like before the show, like, where it was like, because I, I was asking you about it like when you brought up like this uh, the story like, to be added into the show. And it's like, well, what is it? Just like, are they like pong people? Are they like paddles that become you know come to life and they're just like going through their day to day life like it's like a reboot or something? <laughs> it is gonna like if it is million dollar pong, I gotta get my skills in order because I'm winning a million dollars playing pong. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know what I mean? Is um, <laughs> I'm just still kind of wrap my head around it. Out of all the shows that you want to build around a million dollar tournament, wouldn't you want to do something like maybe Street Fighter or Tekken or Marvel versus Capcom? Something that shows a little more competition than. Dick, yeah, and I, I imagine that they're going to like come up with some interesting ideas as far as how they're going to tackle Pong. Like maybe like not not just playing the original game, but also have it like I don't know. Maybe they'll do it like where it's like real life Pong, where you actually have to move a paddle around oh on, my a, God. on a shuffleboard kind of thing. You're, you know? you're dressed in a Pong outfit, and you'd be like, <laughs> "Oh no, gotta go!" It'll turn into like one of those like uh, extreme Japanese like TV shows kind of thing, like the yeah, uh, like right. game shows and stuff. So I, I, I can certainly see that, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to kind of see like how it plays out, and the, it's certainly a lot better than the idea that we came up with with the uh, with like the anthropomorphized uh, the pop, you know paddles or whatever is going about their life. So uh, yeah, so th- that's pretty interesting. But like, uh, I actually came across. A story like you know just earlier when um you know when i was kind of pulling up here uh we we talked a little bit like uh, i think just briefly mentioned anyway in a previous episode about that uh, getting over it game like with benefati um so apparently benefati like he's like i think he's close friends with the people over at kotaku and he's done like some videos like you know with them before like playing his own game things like that well apparently they recently had him play the um you know what was quote the hardest level of Battletoads, which I would certainly argue against, but having him play the, the Turbo Tunnel, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, they have, like, a video up there. Like, I'll have the uh, the link if you want to kind of check that out and everything. But it's basically Benefati playing through what they call the hardest level of Battletoads, the, the Turbo Tunnel in this case. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of something to check out if you want to kind of see someone play through the Turbo Tunnel, um, you know, who's the kind of notorious for his own hard game, basically. So, uh, so yeah, some pretty cool stuff there. And uh, that's pretty much our Cast episode ninety five there in the books. Uh, so yeah, if you want ooh, to, oh, hang on, but before you, before you go and you wrap up, I did want to say one more thing real quick. Yeah. Um, a little while back, uh, Taito released a game called Space Invaders Extreme for Xbox three hundred and sixty. Uh, it was a variation of the classic Space Invaders with a, with a bunch of remix themes and everything like that, mixed stages, power ups, stuff like that. I thought it was really entertaining uh, on the Xbox three hundred and sixty. Well, Decaga Games has announced they're releasing it on Steam. Uh, it'll be available on February 13th. It'll be 19.99, and it'll actually have some new content to go along with the classic stuff that was on Xbox 360. I just thought this was worth pointing out because the Space Invaders remakes, I mean, like most of Taito's stuff being remade, has been pretty cool. So um, if you're a Space Invaders fan, definitely check it out. Sorry, just want to throw that out there because I love Space Invaders. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a good one to uh, you know, check out there and everything. So, uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's basically episode ninety five in the books. Uh, so if you want to follow the Ardcast on Twitter, we are at Ard Podcast. Same thing for Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash Ard Podcast. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at the Guilty Man. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash the DCD. You can also check out my work at comicbook.com slash gaming. We actually just posted news about this. Mario Kart is coming to mobile. Yeah, it'll be released next year for iOS and Android devices. So, yeah, come read up about that. 
Very cool, very cool. And if you want to read up some more gaming stuff, uh, we actually have a partnership, uh, like a mutual partnership with uh, with Don't Feed the Gamers. So that's uh, with Liana Ruppert, uh, who is you know who is your uh, your, your your coworker over there at ComicBook.com, uh, and she also mm-hmm. has like her own site there with Don't Feed the Gamers. Uh, we you know we've had her on like the um, you know the Artcast before with the Mass Effect episode. So if you want to kind of check out uh, some of her writing or some of like her team's writing, basically, you'll definitely want to check out Don'tFeedTheGamers.com, and we'll have a we'll have a link in that in the show notes as well for easy pick. So, um, and if you want to, uh, to like send us any like questions, any like feedback, any like uh, retro games you want us to cover, or anything at all, really, you could email us at rcast@retrozap.com, and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts, especially of the Star Wars variety. There is Bruise and Blasters, uh, there is Kanata's Castle, uh, Starship Sabers and Scoundrels, Skywalking Through Neverland. There's also Beltway Bontas, which is really cool because it combines both politics and Star Wars. So if you're both minds, it's definitely the podcast for you. There's also the Deucecast Movie Show. So if you're a big movie buff, that's definitely the podcast for you. And those guys have been doing it for over 300 episodes, so they definitely know what they're doing over there. Uh, there is also the Animaniacast. So if you're a big Animaniacs fan, that's definitely the podcast for you. And it's also Rob Paulson Approved. And there's also the Techno Retro Dads. So if you love old school stuff, and of course you do because you listen to the Artcast, you love the Techno Retro Dads because they cover stuff in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, not only just video games, but also toys, commercials, things like that. And yeah, there's also us with Artcast. So be sure to find us on iTunes, subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Stitcher and also Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not listen to the Artcast. And yeah, again, that's Arcast episode 95 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. And I am nobody's pimples to nobody's rash. Sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm just, no. I, 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 got, a, I got an itch. I, I got a little bit of an itch here. And like, I, I think I think I see, see something, a little bit of a growth there, if you will. <laughs> okay, so let's point it out towards me, because that makes flippant sense. Just feed me a bug sandwich while you're at it. Uh, okay. You got to pop you. You got to pop you. Okay, I'm grossed out. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) Catch you later. Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show.